oh, that fear was paralyzing. I thought, you know, what will happen if I leave television news? Who will I be if I'm not W.R.E.L. Sloan Heffernan? You know, I really believe that stories can bring us together. We relate to each other through our stories. Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats. This is Marcy Bullock, the creator of a podcast which helps college students who are seeking a fulfilling, healthy, and successful work and personal life. This season, we are focusing on versions of you, who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Enjoy. Hello, Wolfpack fans. Today, we have Sloan Heffernan on the podcast today, two-time Emmy winner. Hi, Sloan. Hi, so good to be here with you today. I think it's really cool that you won Emmys. What did you have to do to win an Emmy? It sounds so impressive. I think it's really cool too. And I was really, really excited. I spent many years working in broadcast journalism, most recently at WRAL TV in Raleigh. And I was part of coverage that was nominated for an Emmy Award. And so it was not just myself, but a group of us as part of some continuing coverage that we were doing at the time. Uh, We were nominated and we won. Congratulations. It's so, so kind of you to give credit to the team. So we met at New Student Orientation at NC State and you were in the audience and you came up afterwards and I looked at you and I was like, I think I know you, of course, because you're famous in Raleigh and you've been on the news for so long and you agreed to do this podcast. So I'm really excited about diving into your story today, Sloan. So Our theme this season is kind of the butterfly coming out of the cocoon, if you will. It's painful, but it's worth it. Tell our audience a little bit about who you were, who you are, and who you will be. Well, my name is Sloan, as you mentioned, and I have been a broadcast journalist for many years. And who I was, was scared. scared of failure. Um, I worked in television for a lot of years and I got to the point where I thought to myself, this isn't setting my soul on fire anymore. What do I want to do with my life? And so I would say that I am now following my dreams and riding high. (laughs) I'm really enjoying myself. I'm now what I consider a brand journalist versus a broadcast journalist where I help organizations and businesses really craft their story and then bring that unique narrative to life through video content and using a lot of the same skill sets that I used in broadcast news, but instead of covering death and destruction, which is a lot of what we can sometimes cover in local news, I'm getting to cover some really positive stories. I know you said the theme was, I was, I am, I will be. What will I be? I I hope that I will be an inspiration because it took me several years of vacillating about, you know, what should I do and fear holding me back about taking that leap out of the only career that I've ever known and doing something different. And I hope that I can inspire others to also, you know, follow their dreams as well. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And I, I really did perk up when you talked about this notion of, you know, your soul was not on fire. And I've seen this a lot with people who get into a career and they're just feeling like their soul is getting destroyed, but they end up asleep at the wheel because there's some kind of golden handcuffs that keeps you doing what is safe. 
What was that fear like for you and how did you overcome it? Oh, that fear was paralyzing. I thought, you know, what will happen if I leave television news? And initially it was very ego-based because it was sort of like, who will I be if I'm not W-R-E-L Sloan Heffernan? Because naturally, you know, you're a local personality and you go into the grocery store and people know you. And, th- and that feels good. That feels really good to, you know, have your work be seen on such a large platform. And, and, and I got into journalism because I wanted to make a real difference as, as most people who get into journalism, you know, they're not getting into it for the money, very small percentage make the big bucks. So you want to make a difference. So I think that, um, that fear was paralyzing and I didn't know what to do, but then COVID happened. And I thought, if not now, when, right, you quickly realize like, whoa, you know, life can be short. And um, if I don't take this leap now, then then when will I? And I also thought to myself that, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? So I'll fail. I'll go back to TV news, you know, if I have to. And so that's that's the process that I went through when trying to decide to take that leap. Yes, this whole paralysis, I think a lot of people can relate to, and you've only done it for a couple of years. Like you said, your whole identity was wrapped around this other persona. Letting go of that is challenging. And now you're in this new role. Talk about that whole transition and how it's gone. Yes. So I thought, what will I do with this skill set? Because so oftentimes, um, you know, we start in one job and we can only see it's sort of tunnel vision that this is the path that we're taking. And many of us in broadcast journalism feel the same way. What am I going to do with this skill of reporting? But we have such valuable skills that can be used as far as, um, you know, being inquisitive, asking the right questions, being able to tell a story very clear, concise, and to the point. And in this digital age, you have to be able to do that, right? If you're getting your message out, you know, people aren't going to stick around and listen anymore. Our attention span is short. So I decided to um, launch Story More, which is a brand storytelling company where we believe that you can do more with your story and help grow your business um, by by telling that brand story. And so um, that's how it all came about. And um, it's really been really fulfilling so far. Congratulations. And this whole notion of taking those transferable skills and really being an entrepreneur on your own, hanging up a shingle and saying, okay, people come over and pay me to consult with you. That is very scary to do. And you mentioned that COVID hit and that was a chance for you to reassess and just think about your own values. What are some of your values? You mentioned not death and destruction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Emotional connection. COVID in particular really, you know, brought to light that human connection is 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 so important. And so it, it also brought to light how different we are, right? And how divided we can be. And so my values are all about, you know, I really believe that stories can bring us together. We relate to each other through our stories. My goal is really to aim for the heart because we remember stories that we feel. 
And, and so I, I love working with, with companies that have great stories to tell, whether it's about the history of their company or the impact that they're trying to make on the world, the problems that they're trying, trying to solve and the solutions that they provide, and really being able to present their brand in a real relatable way that allows people to connect on a deeper level with them. I feel that we're kindred spirits. So that's why I have this podcast. It's so fun to let people tell their stories. And with you, I'm going to throw that back at you as the storytelling expert. Can you tell us a story about something that happened in your career that was really meaningful and how it shaped you? Yes, I would say a story that happened in my career. I've covered thousands of stories while working at NBC affiliates in Florida, Georgia, and then most recently in North Carolina. And I would say that one of the most powerful interviews that I've ever done has been with a gentleman who was convicted of murder and rape and the North Carolina Innocence Project, I think that's what it's called, out of UNC. They work to bring to light injustices in the system. And they picked up his case and he was exonerated based on some DNA evidence that had been sitting on a shelf for decades. And he was convicted when he was just a child, 18 years old, you know, and he was set free. And I got to interview him on within hours of him walking out of prison. And what made this so memorable to me is that I thought to myself, as we often do, how would I feel if this happened to me? And I thought I would be so angry. I would be so upset that I've lost my life due to this injustice. And I sat down with Dwayne Dale. He wasn't bitter at all. He wasn't mad. And I thought, how did he get like this? And he said, you know what? Bitterness only eats away. At, you know, at your own soul, in essence. Um, and it, 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 you know, being mad and angry isn't going to impact anyone except for yourself. And so, yeah, he did some serious soul searching when he was locked up and um, really had this amazing transformation. And that has always stuck with me because throughout life, I just find that you can get in a place where you're feeling bad about something or angry about something. And I always think about Dwayne and we've stayed in touch with each other. And I've thought about the fact that, my gosh, if Dwayne isn't bitter, <laughs> if Dwayne isn't mad, then how could I be mad about something? And so it just gives me a different perspective. And that's what I love about stories. It really gives us a different perspective. And I've had so many opportunities of going into other people's homes across our state and all of the other states where I've worked. And, and seeing a different perspective from the one that's within my walls. And I think that that has really opened my eyes. And, and, and I think it's a true gift to be able to have that experience as a journalist. And that's something that that um, I do miss, but I still get to experience by meeting people and telling their stories and asking questions. Thanks for sharing that one, Sloan. I love that. I got goosebumps when you got to the place of him being exonerated. That's uh, that's fantastic that you could capture the message he had to other people. Well, one of the other topics I wanted to go into is women in the workforce. And in looking at your background, I noticed one of the very first things you did was you were a cheerleader for the New England Patriots. And yes. I would love to hear, it could be from that experience or any time in your life, if you've ever experienced microaggressions or 
any kind of marginalized focus from people who are not women and how you would advise young women in the workforce to handle that? That's a tough one. My experience with the New England Patriots was many, many years ago. And so it was a different environment then. And one thing that I will say is that it was very valuable because at the time and still to this day, the women on the sidelines were looked at as eye candy. And our director came in and brought the cheerleaders back and they hadn't been present for a lot of years. And they were trying to create a more family-friendly environment at the New England Patriots at the time. And they brought the cheerleaders back and our cheerleader director was very strong in her belief that our TNA, if you will, stood for talent and attitude, that we were not going to be just decorations on the sideline. And we were more of a dance squad. And she really helped shape who I am today. Because at the time, I was only 18 years old. I was a little bit lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I loved dancing. And I saw these women on the sidelines who were, one was a lawyer, another one was studying to be an oncologist. And is an oncologist today. It's a real, you know, sorority that we have, that we all still stay in touch. Uh, there were school teachers, I mean, all different types of professions. And I was just so impressed with these women. And it really encouraged me to go back to college because I, I wasn't in college. I took two years off after high school because I was sort of lost. And on the sidelines there, I was able to witness, you know, girl power. And, and that was very, very powerful for me. So yes, that's a good story, especially in the historical context. It's hard to believe that the Me Too movement is only five years old. And this is wonderful that we have much more ability for women to speak out if things are being inappropriately, you know, occurring to them. And I guess for you, then as your career progressed, did that happen any other times? I worked in a very interesting industry in the news business, right? Because um, the news industry needs to represent the community at large. And so there is going to be a real push. They're intentional about having whoever's on camera represent who is out in the community. And so there would be times, let's say, for instance, where maybe I'd get passed over for another job because maybe they had enough, you know, blonde Caucasian reporters, right? And they needed a man perhaps, um, or it's, you know, on an anchor side, it's, it's traditionally a man and a female. And so I think that my career was a little bit different because of, of that fact. Yes, it's really an interesting career path, I'm sure, because like you said, you're on camera and people are looking at you. And we had another interview earlier with Kat Campbell, who is one of the meteorologists and an NC State alum. And some yes. of the comments that were made to her were were really just gut-wrenching for me to think that people would comment so much on her appearance. Yes, Kat Campbell. She is she is such a, a sweet person and a gem. And WRL is so lucky to have her. And she she does have a uh, quite a following. And I've heard some of those stories from her. Yes. And she's so strong and able to just be, you know, I'm a scientist. I am not just, a, you know, a bimbo in any way, shape or form that you can just look at, like you said, the eye candy on the sideline. So thank mm -hmm. goodness we've come a long way on that. 
any other message to women in the workforce that you want to share before we transition out of that topic? Stay together. I mean, one of the things that I have found to be so amazing and inspiring is that I would say in that first year of business, about 90% of the leads that I received were from other women. And that made me feel so good. And one of the first people to reach out to me when I um, left TV news and announced that I was doing that was a cheerleader from back in the day. And she reached out and she said, Sloan, I think you would be so great to speak at my company's conference and I'm going to, you know, go up to bat for you. And, and so really just that sticking together as women and lifting each other up, I just think is, is, is so powerful. I totally agree. That's a wonderful message. Now I wanted to get back in as we get towards the end of the conversation to this notion of you talking about, you know, going after something that you you really had a passion for, that you were really excited for. A lot of times students, I see this kind of uh, dichotomy, meaning versus money. Should I become the blankety blank that makes lots of money or should I go for something that really matters to me? What are your thoughts on that? My cousin had said to me a few years ago, that you really need to ask yourself, how do you define success? I thought, whoa, how do I define success? That's like asking yourself, what sets your soul on fire, right? It's like, whoa, I got to, that's a heavy one. You know, how do you define success? And I think in America, we're apt to really de- define it based on, you know, our salary, our title, you know, the position that we hold. And, and that I think that it's important in this day and age in light of, you know, the world that we live in to take a step back and really ask yourself, what does success mean to you? You know, for example, for my husband, he's worked in a job that he hasn't been very happy with for a long, long time, but he defines success by having free time to be able to attend sporting events with the kids so that he can watch them grow up. And so for him, that quality of life and having flexibility, he has a job that's very flexible is, is success to him. For me, it's being passionate. I can't imagine doing a job that I wasn't passionate about. And so I just think it's really important just to ask yourself, how do you measure success and then make a decision from there and not just based on, you know, what the salary is going to be? Because this, you know, (laughs) as the saying goes, it, you know, money doesn't buy happiness and it truly doesn't. That's good advice. I know for a lot of students taking that leap that you did can be paralyzing. What other thoughts would you leave with someone that is considering doing something that maybe their parents might be thinking, wait, you're going to be a what? What would you, <laughs> what would you say to your parents if uh, maybe the security wasn't there in the passion you had? What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you know, pivot. This generation is is so incredible. You know, our parents used to stay in a career, whether they liked it or not, for like their entire lifetime, right? You know, 40 years at a job that maybe they weren't passionate about. I think that when you do lead with passion, um, things do fall into place. And, and what that energy that you're putting out into the universe will come back to you. And, um, and yeah, I would just say, say, go for it. The only thing that I hear from people who have left television news is why didn't I do it sooner? And, and you don't want to, at the end of the day, say, why didn't I do it sooner and and take that leap. And if it doesn't work out, you know what, pivot, do something else. 
you are a great example of that. And one of the things you mentioned to me before the show was rejection and how hard that is to swallow. That's not a pill anyone wants. When people do get rejected, any tips and your secrets to bouncing back from that in your life? Well, the television industry um, can be very competitive. And I remember a news director saying one time, I've got, this is back in the day when you would, I'm aging myself here, when when all of the resume tapes would be behind him and say, you're competing with these stacks of other reporters who want your job, Um, you know, when it was time to re-sign a contract. Um, I I would just say that um, when it comes to rejection, that most of the time it's not personal right? It's not really about you. You weren't the right fit to begin with. Um, You know, uh, to quote, my mother used to listen to, I don't know if you know, uh, Joel Osteen, and he's a a preacher on television. And he always says it's, it's, it's not a setback, it's a setup. And that's what I try to look at things with even my own kids. Okay, so this didn't work out for you. Well, why? You know, there's, there's a reason for that something bigger and better is coming. So, you know, don't get sucked into the negativity of the rejection, unless there is really something that you need to work on. And they're telling you like, okay, well, you know, you didn't get it because of x, y, and z. And then, you know, that that work ethic and 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 work at it if you really want it. Right. When you look back, you're you're going to regret the leaps you didn't take. And so you have taken this amazing leap which is inspirational and I know you said that's what you were aspiring to be. And you being the wonderful person normally on the other side of asking questions, is there any question I didn't ask you today that you would really like to share? One thing I was thinking about, and it was interesting that you had said about the butterfly analogy, because last night in bed, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, I was thinking about our conversation and and I think to myself, like, so oftentimes that we are in like this little cocoon and that these students are in this cocoon and, and the world is waiting for them, right? And so um, I, I would just say to... Uh, ask yourself, how how can you serve versus what's in it for me? Because I think that when you approach life and your career and just your family, even with that mentality, that it's, it, it, it's really a, a gift that you're giving to others. But also, I believe that when you ask, how can I serve versus what's in it for me, that that good things will come back to you as well. Sloan Heffernan, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's so good talking with you. 